Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 108. I am back. I'm staring at Rob Jones's lopsided stash. What's wrong with it? Which side is longer? The the right side is longer. This side. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll trim this side down. Not just grow the other side. Uh, I can't then pause one side and pull up. I'll give the other side a couple of pulls on this. See if yeah, get Hannah going. to hang off it. Yeah, cut any more from the root. We haven't got long left. Oh. Mate, it's race week. It is race week. You left me solo to do a show last week. And you know what? I'm saying to Steph afterwards, I thought when I recorded the show last week on, um, if you like, final preparation for the marathon, I thought yeah. I'd been talking for ages. And then I hit stop and it was about 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, it's so hard to podcast on your own. I know. I thought, I thought so I'd hard. been going for ages. Just give us a refresh, mate, of last week then. What do people need to do this week if they're racing Abu Dhabi Marathon? You need to fully trust that your training has been complete. You need to relax, build up to race week, enjoy it. Do not try and hit all the workouts that you've missed. Try nothing new. I can't remember the other ones I had. I I was quite free flowing. There was lots. There's lots. There you go. Go back. The best thing to do would be to go back and listen to the show. That's so 107. (laughs) You also ran with a guest last week, a previous guest. I did. Yeah, I forgot. Lots has happened last week. Yeah, we had uh, episode number, I think, 68 or 67, Sophie Grace Holmes, who is uh, an athlete, endurance athlete and coach with cystic fibrosis. She was in Dubai. She missed our Track Tuesday session. So asked, well, asked, invited. I can't remember how it worked out. Came for a run with us on Thursday and then sat and had coffee. Why did she miss Track Tuesday? Too many DMs, I believe. Mm. poor excuse poor <laughs> excuse at least you made up for it by coming for a coffee she did she's a very nice person and we had some good chats on the run so that was good and she said she'll definitely come back again nice good i can't i'm, I'm frantically looking for the episode and uh not yet found it but i think it is 67 or 68 it's down in the 60s there you go head back just have a look have a look through anyway why You'll not find it. go You'll back find to some it. Old, old episodes? And actually, for those that are listening and then scroll back through Spotify, there has been an issue with previous episodes saying that Ooh. our bandwidth is not correct, but we are fixing it. Bear with us. So maybe go back to Apple or Podomatic and listen through those if you want to go back to previous shows in the interim until it's sorted. Great little announcement there. It's episode 63, Achieving yeah. Extraordinary with Sophie Grace Holmes. Good title. Go have a look. Yeah, that's, I Thomas. think I was writing those titles. What's he done? My dog's <laughs> just pulled all sorts of leads out. Main thing though, we know it's race week, it's Good. it's marathon week, but you have been doing something much more interesting the last week. Tell us. <laughs> Disaster. We had to take a quick break then. My dog decided to pull every cord out of every thing it could within the nearest uh, meter of me. So... We're back. And yes, Rob, I was doing something much more fun last week than uh, your marathon prep show. Although I do quite like marathon prep, but I'm not sure as a runner, there's much more of a fun thing you can do than what me and Marcus and Rob did last week. Tell us. I think I told people what you're doing, but tell us anyway, for those that haven't listened to last week's show. We went to a very small town in East Africa, Kenya. 
that is about a five to six hour, well, you get a flight from Nairobi up towards the Great Rift Valley and then you land in Eldoret and then you get another hour, you have to drive another hour up to 2,600 meters high or 2,300 meters, I think, uh, to a town called Iten, which is called the home of champions for a very good reason. It has the highest, I think, uh, population of like Olympians and world champion distance runners of anywhere in the world. And it is truly an incredible, incredible place. And Rob Foster has been there once before. Um, if you've read about any running book, you'll have read about this town, I'm sure. And so we decided to go check it out, see what we could, see what damage we could cause. And? <laughs> we didn't cause much damage, although they caused quite a bit of damage to us. <laughs> it looks like there's three broken bodies that have returned to the gym this week. It's crazy. We ran 115 kilometers in five days. And we planned nothing. We had a connection there. We simply just went along with it. So we were jumping into various groups. We'd do a morning run, we'd do an evening run. Um, and yeah, we, we clocked up. I mean, without really trying, we clocked up 115 Ks. And you could probably could have done a lot more, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it, it's strange because I think because you're running at altitude, you're, you're capped. You know, you, you can't really run very, very hard because you basically your body doesn't let you. Um, but you're, you're, you're losing around 10% or what it feels like you're losing around 10% of fitness. I mean, for me anyway, I, I've been averaging maybe 30K a week for the last six weeks. So even after the first day, I'd, I'd hit my average weekly um, case. And then, yeah, we just kept on going. But because you are running a lot, you know, at a, at a much slower pace, mm -hmm. you're, um, you're not really doing a high, high level of training stress, if you like. It's just, just the overall load. Um, and that's where, yeah, that's where the place becomes truly amazing because these guys have adapted to the altitude and people go there to train to to get fitter at the altitude and they're there for well obviously the, the people who live there are there all their lives but people go there for three four five six month long training camps yeah to get the full altitude effect so can um, you describe what it's like and so you go you go to this tiny village is it just you look around and everyone you see is either running or a runner or no i think that's quite a quite a stereotypical thing to believe i mean exactly. you see a lot of people running right it's, it's mm -hmm. like when you go to to chamonix in the summer or something like that like a lot of people are running but there's also a lot of people there who are just trying to make a living so mm -hmm. yeah a lot of farmers moving cattle down the road or sheep or um you know chickens everywhere um you've got people with food stalls set up people with random shops like welding shops loads of furniture shops like it's a really african town if, yeah. if everyone's been to africa and can understand what i mean there it's not like everybody is just running around but you might go along to a shop who you know maybe a, a cafe and the person who owns the cafe may have run a sub 210 marathon at some point in their life and they'll have been you know from the commonwealth games say in the 90s or or there might be an olympian or you never know you just you just don't know who you're running with and if you go for a run with a group there'll be people in there who are running easily sub 30 minute 10ks people who've gone you know 13 low 13s high 12s for the five they'll have been you know former olympians they'll be future olympians and that's the really special part of it is you just have no idea who you're running next to mm -hmm. at all 
but you can feel it in their rhythm, in their timing, just their manner that, that they are something special. And I don't think they truly understand what they are either to us. <laughs> so you arrive in a 10 and you said you had nothing planned. So how do you, because lots of these, I know you see lots of these trips, lots of them are organized and you have your sessions almost pre-booked and you know exactly where you're going to go. So you wake up the first morning, where do you turn up to? Who have you contacted? What's the, <laughs> how do you know what's going to happen? So um, amazingly, Skinny's dad worked there in the 1970s. I want to say 1974. Mm. Um, and he worked at the very famous St. Patrick's uh, Catholic schools for boys and this school is famous because it, it's been the home of brother Colm O'Connell for the last ooh, 30 maybe 40 years um, but when Skinny's dad worked there he had a two-year contract and in his second year brother Colm O'Connell came along and he then took over the athletics coaching from Skinny's dad so he knows obviously Skinny's dad and has a very high amount of respect for him. And he actually says that he's the reason why he got into coaching athletics. And this guy is coached like uh, David uh, Radisha. He's coached the, the world's best, the world's best he has coached. Mm -hmm. And he says it's all because of Skinny's dad. So we have an incredible weapon in our corner of Rob Foster. Yeah. And brother Colm O'Connell knew he was coming and hooked us up with his assistant coach, who is called Ian Kiproni. And he coaches again some of the, the world's best and so what would happen was skinny would message this guy and then in true african style around six to seven hours later we'd get a reply so we messaged him the day we arrived and said we're ready to run tomorrow morning what's the score and then we got told that evening you're going to go run the fartlek session which was a tuesday so a tuesday fartlek session which is quite a famous session uh in a 10 and you basically think, okay, maybe 20, 25 runners are going to be there. And then slowly as everyone arrives, you realize, okay, this is big, like 60, 60, maybe 70 people are there. And that's when you realize the caliber that you're trying to run with, because within the first five minutes, these guys are, are well up the road. You just can't understand. You can't fathom how quick they're running. And this, so, from what you said today as well, there's no, it seems to be almost, it's almost chaos, but it's, it's, there's almost order within the chaos and nobody seems to know what's going on. And then out the blue, bang, everyone's moving differently. And yeah. So this, this is what they call it. I think a community session, if you like, so anyone can turn up to it, but what you get a lot of people there is they have running camps. So uh, we joined the A6 camp a few times. There's obviously the, in the neighboring town called Kaptaget is where Kipchoge's from. So he has the Nike camp there. Uh, there's a couple of like, there's an Adidas camp and then there's like athletes camps. So those guys have a, a weekly regime that they stick to and you have to, or you have to be invited or you have to know someone to go and run with them. But then ten itself has a lot of different running groups who are just running for fun, if you like. Mm -hmm. And, and these ones are funny because the coach, he, he seemed a very angry little man, but, um, <laughs> he obviously gets frustrated because he would say what the session is and then the crowd would start shouting what they want it to be. So fartlek, um, you know, by definition is, is intervals. And he would, so the, on the Tuesday, he, he says, okay, it's one, one 20. So that means one on one off times 20. And everyone seemed to accept that 
but when we went for the next one, which is on a Thursday, I believe, he said, okay, today is one, two, 18. And people started going, no, 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 one, three. And he's going, no, no, it's one, two. And then they shout one, four. And then one bloke from the back comes down laughing his head off, shouts one, five. And he's just looking at them getting more and more frustrated. Like, listen, it's one, two, 18. And everybody is just <laughs> shouting random things. And then, heckled. yeah. And then next thing, you know, you, you're running. Like someone just says enough, let's run. And then you just run. So this, <laughs> I can't imagine it as it, it sounds so, so much fun. Yeah. It's brilliant because you, like we had no expectations being there. Like none of us had a week we had to perform. None of us had a, you know, a structure we had to follow. So we just said, look, we're just going to go to the sessions that we're invited to and follow the plan. And, you know, Tuesday we had uh, th this first fartlek thing, which was just insane. One minute on, one minute off. Uh, I ended up running with a, with a 1500 meter specialist and he, he was just running next to me. And, and we did, I think we were coming up to like 13, 14 reps. And uh, I was like, man, this is, we've got a long way to go here. And then we got to the top of a hill and he just grabbed my arm and said, that's it. And I was like, uh, okay. And because when they stop hitting the pace they want to, they just stop. Ah. So all around you, people are walking, people are jogging easy. And uh, I just said to him, okay. And then I just started asking him a few questions and things because I wanted to know more about him. But we ended up running maybe 14, 15K on the first morning of, of Fartlek. But no one is rigidly following the plan. You know, mm. they, they're just using it as a as sort of a guide. And that was a, a real first big lesson for us, for the three of us was, okay, we're quite big on like following the plan and, you know, mentally pushing on, but these guys, they're cool with it. Like, okay, I did 15, I was meant to do 20, but I couldn't, you know, I felt really dead on the 15th. And so I relaxed and like, it was like, okay, fine. And then we, we did a little bit different. Like we, in our afternoon runs, we'd go explore. So we, we got very, very lost and went down through a couple of farms and things, but because you're so high, the elevation, you, you basically walk, you can walk off down towards the valley and you're basically going down a cliff. Um, so we, we explored that, whereas the, most of them would just go out for an easy, an easy five to 10 K um, in the evenings. And then on the, uh, so that was Tuesday on the Wednesday, we got invited to a, a moderate long run, they call it, um, which, which basically means around 18 Ks, anywhere up to 30 but this one was 18 and the front group, their moderate pace was 330 to 340 per K. <laughs> That's the, the ASICs boys. And the next group behind was for moderate pace, four to 415 per K. So we kind of looked at each other and just set off with them. Cause what, you know, what's the worst that's gonna happen? You get dropped. You turn around and you go home. Like, yeah. there's no big deal. You may as well see so, how long um, you can hang on for. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and Skinny did really well. He he went off like with the front boys. Um, I think he maybe dropped back to group group two, something like that. And and I just decided to tag along with the last person that I could see. Um, but even in the first K, you're running four forties, and then and then it begins. And some guy, he just I don't know why he just decided he wanted to run. With the white people there are called Mazungus. So I think it used to mean like traveler, but now it means basically the white guy. And he wanted to run with the Mazungu. And so he dropped back 
to me and we ran together for 17k and it was just unreal we were doing between four well like 415s i think 420s and you're just like he is cruising no problem yeah. he even had time to turn around and slap a kid on the head if you read my blog you'll you'll hear about that and i mean i was threshold tempo high tempo threshold but i knew that the opportunity of running with him was was so unique so i just held on and we picked up another group and it, it was incredible to be one of six people running so five kenyans and then me uh, running as a pod around this 18k loop was was nuts and, and it just transforms your running like you're you feel a different bounce in your feet you have a different rhythm to you because you've got five people in front of you all running really really well and no one is out of timing or anything and uh, on the last hill they just they weren't letting up up the hills at all and they just glided off and there was nothing i could do <laughs> nothing at all and that's one thing guy, Mar- sorry go on. i was gonna say was marcus gonna say- said this morning one of the things that he noticed was they don't slow down for hills it's just no. if they're running at a pace it's they run at that pace yeah nothing will slow them down makes them so strong anyway as i started to fall back off this hill this guy who had been running with me he just he just cruised he just stopped and he he said well done mate i said thank you i said what's your name he said thomas i said ah me too and he's grinning away and and i said you know what have you been doing and he said ah last week i paced a marathon um so this is my rest week and i wanted to run with you i was like oh wow what did you do your marathon in and he said 208 (laughs) So like, wow. okay, unreal, unreal. Um, and he was pacing 208. And he was pa- pacing it to So yeah, that was pretty special. How then do, do these athletes then, if, if it's big group sessions like that, what do they do in between? It seems that everything so far, they're all running together in groups. There doesn't seem to be any solo running for anyone. It's all with someone. No, and that, and that was a really good chat we had with Brother Colm on the Wednesday night, actually. He he always um, goes to this bar called Kiria View, and we happened to be staying there. Um, and so we chatted to him for about an hour. And I mean, run journalists will, this guy is like the white rhino to find, or the white elephant, whatever they're called. And run journalists travel from all over the world to speak to him to find out mm-hmm. what the secret is. And we ended up just chatting with him in, the, in our hotel restaurant because he knows Skinny. And he actually said that he feels nowadays everybody's looking for this unique, special program. And he says, and what really runners need is a strong, supportive group around them Mm -hmm. and to just go more with the flow and like do group long runs. And if the group long run turns into a smash fest and you feel good, you go with it and you smash it. And if the group long run, you know, you feel like you can't hang on with it, then you relax. He said, but we've lost this group element to running because everybody's looking for their own unique program. And I mean, us as coaches, we could probably argue against that and we could probably argue for it. Right. But he's saying from a, from these guys in terms of their, like, they, they are only runners. It's their full-time job. It's all about the support and the community and the group that they're with that matters. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of groups there running around and when they're not, training they're they're resting mate they're they're eating or resting and they do everything as a group so all their strength work as a group they do their running as a group they eat as a group you know they're they're a big family yeah 
And are they tracking, are they tracking the things they're doing? So you said there was different groups as the ASICS group, the night group, I guess they all have their own individual coaches yep. and they turn up to those sessions and in between they're doing their easy runs and things. Are they monitoring stuff or are they just getting up and is there any structure is what I'm trying to get at, I suppose. There seems to be a weekly rolling structure. Yeah, there seems to be. And then different paces for different sort of uh, distances and different um, abilities for sure but they all turn up at the same place and they all start at the same time. Mm-hmm. You no. Know? So um, they're all wearing watches. So I assume they're tracking it, but I don't know if they even have, some of them will have smartphones to track, but most of them are just wearing watches to see what the time is or, or the pace that they're running at. Um, I didn't see anyone using heart rate. Uh, no one actually. And like, for example, we did the track session with the ASICS group on the Saturday. They had four different groups there, a short distance, middle distance and a long distance mm-hmm. and the guy didn't tell them what the session was until literally we started so we warmed up we did drills then he split the group so he put the marathon the top marathon group the top short distance group and then the slower groups behind them so four groups in total and then he told them what they were doing and it happened to be 10 by 1k fast group was at 240s okay with a minute rest and the slow group was three tens <laughs> that wow. was the slow group yeah yeah and, and they they look at each other there's a little bit of banter they go and get changed uh, they put on their spikes they put on their their like lightweight gear for a track session and then they they crack on no one is disputing anything wow and then in between, so you said they, they all strength train together. What does that look like? Is that very different to what, I suppose, what you know and what you define as strength for running or is it confirmed your Yeah, yeah. Your we did, we did a, a strength session with the St. Patrick's boys on the, maybe on the Wednesday evening. And we ran for 30 minutes, easy. He said, uh, we run 530s or sixes. And we said, yeah, right. He said, no, this is what we do. So we ran out easy 30 minutes, which was unreal to be running actually at a pace that you could stay with a group with. <laughs> yeah. Conversational finally for you guys. And, and he runs, this guy who was leading the session runs a 27 minute and 33 second 10K. And his easy pace was six minutes per K. So, I mean, what a sign to us mere mortals. When you say run easy, you run easy really easy easy yeah and then we got back and uh he took us to this field that had a bit of cow shit on and we did maybe 40 minutes 30 minutes of like very basic plyometric drills and then some real basic stretches that was it nothing i had never done before nothing i'd not seen before and nothing that you know claimed to change the game it was Mm -hmm. simply like we did maybe four or five plyometric stuff that was about timing and, and rhythm. And then we did stretches from the neck down to the feet. Almost like an old school, like I remember doing rugby warm up drills and you start at the head and you work your way yeah. down the body. <laughs> exactly. Just like exactly. that. Yeah. Wow. Not and any, no equipment at all. And do they mix it up or is that just what they do every week? Every day they do that routine. Every day. Yeah. Wow. It's their, their recovery and, and drills. Wow. Yeah. Is there, is there anything that you saw when you were there or you learned that you, you weren't expecting? 
um, they run a lot of tempo, mm-hmm. a lot of tempo. So like their moderate runs, um, that basically means tempo or if you're in the cycling world, sweet spot. Um, but if you look at their like, like we would normally use the 80-20 as a rule. Um, but they're, I think probably when they're training for a race, they're, they're more 85-15. So, uh, sorry, 75-25. Yeah, they're, they are running hard when, when they're told to. And every run sort of, unless it's an easy run, every run gets wound up. So they're, uh, like, they're always negative splitting stuff. Um, and that was, yeah, an interesting. And what I'm not quite sure on is it, is it because they are professional runners and they're not, um, you know, they're not recreational like us, but, uh, it just seemed, it seemed <laughs> full on a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, unless they were told to run easy. And then it was just completely off. I mean, you, you could almost thought oh, I could walk quicker than that, but somehow they're just bouncing along. And then is there anything, I suppose, the opposite end of the spectrum, is there anything that you saw that, um, that you were disappointed in and you thought, oh, I thought this would be better? They, one interesting point is they all run in long tights and jackets. Um, and it's not cold there. It's cold in the mornings and the evenings, like maybe mm-hmm. down to, to like 10s, 12s. But in the daytime when the sun's out, you're obviously really close to the equator. It's really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a strong sun and the sun is up by seven at least. And so we're running in shorts and vests a lot of the time. They are head to toe in like what we would call like wet weather, cold gear. And they're sweating a lot and they you can see they're really, you know, they're hot, they're sweating, but they never take it off unless they're running like a fast track track day. And the minute they finish track, they put everything back on straight away. And so I asked uh, brother Colm, why, why do they do this? Is it because they get given kit and they just feel like they want to wear it or are they actually cold or, you know, what's the deal? And he says, no, they believe that the, it monitors their weight better. So the more they sweat, the lighter they are. And they believe that this is how they keep their weight in check. And that was disappointing because we obviously know that they're not losing weight. They're just dramatically dehydrating themselves and I didn't ever once, I don't think, maybe at the track day I did, but I never, ever saw a runner drinking water. Mm. I don't know what they did when they got back to their room or whatever, but um, yeah, they just were never, no one ran with a bottle. I didn't see one piece of sports nutrition consumed. You don't see one gel wrapper. Do you understand how many people are running in this place? There is not a gel wrapper in sight. Go to Al-Qudra on the weekend at 6 a.m. that people have been out for an hour. There's gel wrappers everywhere. Um, that was quite interesting. But yeah, it was a bit sort of, I don't know whether the top guys understand how much they need to rehydrate after running in a sweatsuit, but the other guys for sure probably weren't rehydrating themselves enough. And did based on any of that, did you change how you were fueling or hydrating? Uh, probably not when you're hy- hydrating when you're there, because this, I was looking at your story. But what about fueling? Did you change up your fueling or your views on fueling or anything like that? <laughs> I obviously, I had uh, the Super Sapien uh, blood sugar monitor in. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't do a single run where I wasn't below the optimal blood sugar line. I mean, I bonked literally before I'd even started the run, I had low blood sugar. <laughs> Um, and that's likely because of the altitude. 
So you yeah. have a change in, in metabolic rate with up in the altitude um, because your body is, is basically having to um, get more oxygen in because there isn't less oxygen, but there's less partial pressure. So you have a higher heart rate and higher resting heart rate and things like that. So we definitely didn't go hungry, but none of us took, took any food on the run either because, well, number one, we never knew how far we were running. <laughs> Um, and number two, just no one else seemed to be doing it. So we were like, well, let's do what the Kenyans do. But yeah, after every it. run, I'd look at my blood sugar and it would be plummeting. Tank. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would do it. If I was there for a training camp, I would do it different. I would be, I would be fueling a lot more. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then, yeah. so what was, what do they, what are they fueling on post-session? I, I very much doubt there's a, you know, there's protein shakes and. No. I think in the top camps there is, but, uh, from what we could see, well, we actually didn't really see much, but we would go off and eat breakfast afterwards and we'd try and get into the local places. Um, and they were eating like a lot of breads, uh, mm. chapati, if you know, chapati, uh, which is like a, like a bready pancake kind of thing. Um, delicious. Yeah, it's good. Some eggs. But uh, not much. They don't eat. They don't eat before a run. They just eat afterwards, and then uh, like really sweet milky tea. They have um, lunch. I think their lunch and dinner is very similar. They love uh, mbuzi, which is goat, and ugali, which is like a, a maize type of uh, starch. Mm -hmm. So ugali or rice, and then some form of meat, chicken, goat, or beef. That's all it seemed to be. It's just really, really simple. Yeah. Seems yeah. to work. Yeah. Simple is the absolute key there. Because you've got to remember, it's such a poor place. Yeah. Really poor. So you hear stories of some of them go and buy some chickens, and then they just sell a chicken every month to keep themselves going, to be able to afford their rent and food and things. Wow. So I guess there's lots of, is there... Are you getting heckled and things for your watches and your shoes and your vests and your tops and your, your carbons? Unfortunately, yeah, it's disappointing. But some of the kids would run, run up to you and say, give me a watch. <laughs> and you go, nope. And they would go, ah, mazongo. And then they'd run off. But some of the, <laughs> most of them are really, really nice. But yeah, some of them are a bit cheeky because it's, you know, it is a, a quite a touristy place, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I suppose they know that lots of people come, they've come with all their probably expensive running kit and if they can maybe well you don't ask you don't get right yeah i mean we we traveled with five kilos only yeah um because marcus stitches all up by not paying for extra baggage on the on the airplane from nairobi to eldoret but it was quite fun anyway because basically i took two pairs of running kit and i took two pairs of relaxing kit so i didn't actually have much to give away i gave away a t-shirt to someone at the end who'd, who'd helped us uh, Marcus gave away a running vest and, and skinny did the same, but yeah, I mean, it is part of it. We had one guy who was, I think he was 16 and he was trying to, um, become a runner and he'd moved there from his village, which was like a nine hour bus ride away. And he started hanging around with us and he was clearly after a pair of shoes and, uh, we just were letting him chill. We, you know, we didn't say anything and he, towards the end, I had a pair of carbons with me and a pair of uh, Mac fours, Hoka carbons and, and Mac fours. And I didn't really want to give them away. Like they're, they're both quite new and I'm going to use them. Right. If it was a pair that I was going to give away, then you, you obviously give them away. But 
uh, we came to the wards the last day and he said, so am I getting shoes? And Marcus said, no, we need our shoes. And he said, but the only reason I'm spending time with you guys is for your shoes. <laughs> and it was like, well, that's not our problem, mate. That's yours, you know? And so there's obviously a, a bit of an expectation of, you know, your white guy, give me your watch, you can go get another one or give me your shoes, you can go get more. Mm. Um, and for sure, if I was going to go back, I, <laughs> I'd pay for luggage and I would take, you know, a nice big suitcase of, of useful things for runners because they need it. They really, yeah. really need it. It's clear. Um, and you, you want to be able to help them. Like they're running with holes in their shoes. They're running, you know, their form isn't, some of them, their form isn't great because the shoes are wrong for them. Um, and if you, if you do go, then I really would take anything you have spare with you and, and give it to them because these guys, it can really mean the difference between them, you know, winning a race and winning enough money to help them get through the next three, four months than, you know, having to, to move back to their hometown and, and just become farmers or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was a quite an experience. What sort of the training seems to be very simple. What about how they think or how they, you know, communicate? Because I've, talking about this at the weekend i was at what B crewing for heidi and the amount of runners <clears throat> excuse me that would come into a checkpoint and first thing i like hey guys do you need anything um or what you know do you want water do you need anything cold do you want some coconut water whatever it might be and they were just they were really really negative and they were complaining right from the start i thought you've really got nothing to complain about but I imagine that's not the case there do they have a different mindset or a different attitude to when things go wrong or yeah, I saw this from from two sides, I think. One is there's a lot of kids there. So as runners, they're looked up to. And the kids want to run with you and they do for a little bit, but they're making their way to school or they're going off to, you know, making carrying water somewhere. And the guys are running past and all the kids are cheering them, most of them are cheering them anyway and so I think there's like an element of I am privileged to be a runner. Mm -hmm. so yes i'm not gonna complain because i love running and, and this is what i'm gonna do in order to make money to feed their family or keep themselves going and that sort of thing so there's an element of, of being proud to be a runner um which stops them obviously complaining then the other side of it is which i talked a little bit about as well every day especially within a tent they are running past poverty so they're probably constantly reminded that they are running in order to live their life it's their full-time job they are going all in to in order to win a race which might win them let's say i think we heard of one race there it was a half marathon and they the winner got two thousand dollars that is a year for them wow so when you're running past someone who's whatever selling you know fruit and vegetables for maybe he earns 50 cents a day. Maybe he's on about a dollar a week, something like that. And you're running to try and earn $2,000. You probably have a really good <laughs> sense of motivation. And although they're training in groups, that also probably adds to their element of like, if anyone starts complaining, they get basically shut out of the group because everybody's in the same boat. Like mm -hmm. everyone's woken up at five, everyone's running the same thing like why are you special to complain so you really don't see it i didn't hear of anyone complaining and the, and the other thing is 
if they dropped from the group, they're dropped. No one comes back to try and help them. No one, it's pretty savage in, in that sense of like, once you're gone, you're gone. So who are you going to complain to? I don't know. Love that. Yeah, yeah. it's ruthless. So it's, it's basically dog eat dog world here. If you're not good enough, you 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 fall out the back and you're done. Absolutely. And See that, you next session. And there is someone, there's always someone waiting, I'd imagine, to take your place. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oof. I think that's got all the that's all the questions I had written down that I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone should should go and experience this place if you're a mm. runner. Any, anyway, um, because you get a real sense of where running was kind of born and what running with with a meaning really is. But you gotta be you gotta be in decent shape to be running in any of the groups there. Like I would say a sub forty minute ten k at least if you want to try and actually run with them. Otherwise you're just going to spend your time watching them, which is also cool to be mm -hmm. honest. And well, that's another thing. Did you see any, if you're like beginner runners, I suppose it's not, it really caters to the people that really care about running and its foundations. Yeah. But did you see anyone that was a complete beginner there just trying to get dip their toe in or anything? <laughs> Apart from ourselves yeah. on, uh, on day four, we had fartlek again. And they call Fatalek Fatalek. So it's quite funny. We all kept saying Fatalek. So on Fatalek day, which was, I think, Thursday, um, we got it to the start line. And there was about maybe four or five other Mazungus there. Um, they didn't look too much like runners. They were wearing running kit, but they didn't look much like runners. And uh, they had like Runners World t shirts on. And they had one thing they don't particularly like is, is being filmed. Mm. Um, the runners don't mind, but the coaches don't seem to like it. So, um, they were there with their phones out filming things with, Oh, who are these? Mzungus? Um, and then the session started and about, I don't know, 5k in this Matatu overtook me. And then on the corner above, they, the, these lot jumped out and started taking videos and, and cheering. So they obviously came along to watch the start of it. Then obviously realized they couldn't run it and just jumped in a, in a Matatu, which is a taxi bus and legged it up the course to see what was happening up top. So just there to watch. Yeah. Just take it in. Other than that, no, there's no, no one's, uh, no one's sort of starting to run there. They're all runners. Yeah. And, the, and the hotel we were at, I think it had like five or six Olympians staying there at the same time who were from Europe. Oh. Yeah. A um, few French, a few Swiss. Um, yeah. And they're, and they're just, they're there for three months to live and, and just train. That's all they want to do. Did you, did you speak to them at all? Did you, did you hear, like, what were they getting from the experience? Yeah, we spoke, one guy, we went for a run. Our last run there was 10K with um, a bloke who came fifth in Rio in the, I think, 3,000 meters steeplechase. Mm -hmm. And he, he's been there, I think he said 15 times. So basically for the last 15 years. And he just loves it because it's a very singular focus. You're there to run. Yeah. The food is good in where he stays. And you've got the best runners in the world around you. What more do you need? There's no, you know, there's no like for him to go and get a sauna. He had to travel to Eldoret, which was an hour away. Um, there's no distraction. Like it's, it's really simple. And he says he loves getting like just smashed. Yeah. So you think you're good. Like he's, he was French and uh, European champion at, at different times in his career. And you know, he's a big deal in Europe and he says he comes there and the women are overtaking him. Amazing. 
yeah, yeah. it just puts you back puts you back in your box yeah yeah and uh, i mean where, have you ever seen skinny get dropped in a run never nope i mean it was daily oh, mate i'm i'm myself marcus like we just you don't you're not even close <laughs> like not even close and if you are running with them it's because they are relaxing it's because they want to run with you not because you're running with them exactly exactly wow that's it so when you're going again <laughs> <laughs> i've been thinking about how it applies to triathletes and, and when triathletes should do it because obviously mm. right involved in triathlon and, and coach a lot of triathletes and i think it's an experience to do in your off season when you don't have a plan to stick to and you want to just go and experience it and if you end up running 115k in five days you end up running 115k in five days you know um your coach isn't going to go wild so yeah, and, and you can mountain bike there. You can road bike there. There's one pool, I think, in the whole town. Um, when would I go again? Probably in the summer, next summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, why, would you, why would you go then? It's really shit running in Dubai in the summer. Um, oh, fair enough. <laughs> and the weather in, in uh, Iten is the same all year round. So you can go, you can get a break from the heat here, and you can have like a huge running camp without, uh, without getting melted in uh, in dubai wonderful mm. you'll Excellent. come with me don't worry i oh, know i'm definitely coming next one is it training for it it's in yeah <laughs> you, you do you have to train to go there i swear oh dear um i wrote a blog on it which you can go and read it's quite a long one it's on my website which is tomwalkerfitness.com just go down to the blog section and you will see it's called iten the home of champions uh, Marcus wrote a blog as well. You can go to mjd, mjdsmith.com and read his. Uh, on my Instagram, you can go to my story highlights and I saved a load of stuff on there. Um, always have a scroll back through some posts and things and you can see what it was like. But the truly unique experience that if you are a runner and you love running and, you know, I would read about it first and then I really would go and experience it. And it is so cheap. Mm so cheap i think you save money going <laughs> to be honest there we go mate marathon on the weekend are you ready i'm as ready as i can be we'll see what happens i'm i'm going with the old it's a, i'm not sure if it's a, i want to call it a proverb but it's not a proverb but the first 14k they say trust uh trust your head so just keep relaxed Second 14K, trust your training. And then the last 14K, you trust your heart. So that's what I'm going to do. Wow. Big one. Big one. Um, and mate, next week, this is going to be our last show of this year. It is. We've decided finally after 108, we will take a small break. We will. I mean, season. this is another thing. Even the best runners in a 10, they take four to five weeks off completely. So... Mm-hmm. Next week will be our last show and then we will take a month off and we'll be back in January. We will be a new show with a sponsor. That's quite interesting and fun. Exciting. And we will be back with tons of guests. We've already got January packed up. We're full. But if you want to come on the show in February, please let us know. We will get you on. If you've got any guest suggestions or ideas you want us to talk about, let us know. We can get them scheduled in and we're going to deliver the best, the best running podcast you can listen to next year. 
it sounds almost almost like we're organized we're in november and we have january already booked up unheard of unheard of mate and even some of those januaries i'm recording in december there you go exactly Can you believe that unreal there we go thank Perfect. you very much for listening please if you have any suggestions or feedback for the show you can go and rate and review us at any podcast platform that you listen on don't forget spotify has got some form of issue with our old episodes so if you're having problem listening on there go over and try uh, there's apple Podcasts. there's podomatic we're on google podcasts as well we're, we're trying to be across all the platforms so you can go on there don't forget to rate and review us on those platforms as well share it with a friend and if you have any questions you can email endurance at innerfight.com you can message rob jones on instagram rob jones endurance or you can get a hold of me tom walker fitness we'll be back next week with well we're doing a bit of a, a roundup show i think mm. abu dhabi marathon and some of the best bits of the year in terms of the podcast guests we've had on and bits that we think you can go away and have a listen to maybe go have a catch up over the month of december because we give a lot of information out every week don't we and how many we people do. act on it i'm not sure so maybe december should be the acting on information month yeah well you can measure where you are now and then act out some of the bits of information that you've taken from the podcast and then we'll review in january you can let us know how much you progressed what an awesome idea there we go we'll be back next week thanks for listening <laughs>